0: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello everybody and welcome back to part two of Vicky Patterson's Secret 2. This week I am joined by none other than DJ Fat How are you doing, son?
1: I'm good, babe. I'm really good, yeah.
0: Um, can I just ask, the DJ Fat thing, is it like ironic? Because there's no on you?
1: No, I used to be I used to be like right little heifer when I was about to. Cause what happened was at the beginning I, I was really fit. I've always been thin. And then when I got to about 14 and that a lot of trauma happened, like mm. I talked about before, like you know, the abuse and stuff, I got I got really fat. So no one right. would ever come in, me. like a protection thing. So it was a name that with people whispered behind my back, which Tony, fat Tony. And I just owned it. I just took it off the yeah. map. I thought, you're not calling me that. I'll call it myself. So I, I just kept it and it's always stayed with me. I mean, you know, I always get people go, oh, you should change your name. I'm like, oh, yeah, right, I'm 56. Yeah, let me just change my DJ name while I'm still travelling, flying around the world, first class, yeah. You know what I mean? I'll go back <laughs> to the shall I? Shall Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. no, I feel like fucking on it exactly like you say. Oh, I'm going to So how did the DJing first come about, mate?
1: Uh, I've always loved music, right? Yeah. Always. I come from a really musical family. My dad and my mom, all played music, always constantly in the house. My brothers had sound systems in each of their rooms, like proper sound systems with mega speakers out the windows. And, you know, so growing up in that house... Oh, God, they, I bet your nearby's
0: fucking... Oh, they head. hated
1: us. They hated <laughs> us. I mean, especially when I turned it in the house into, like, a gay crack den. They, afterwards, they hated it even more. But, you know, uh, <laughs> literally, we, we love music. So I so when I discovered nightclubs at 14 and going out, you know, uh I kind of just was always out from that. Moment. The moment the first time I ever went out, I was out. That was it. Every night of the week. And then a club opened on a Saturday night, which was run by a guy called Steve Strange, Rusty Egan. And it was at the London at the London Lyceum where Lion King is now. I got a job working on the door because I told him I was 16, told him I was going to open my own night the same night and go up to competition like the biggest flag ever. and they were like you've always work.
0: been a bullshitter
1: yeah <laughs> you know what I mean come and work on the door for us so I worked on the door and every week I would say ah uh, everyone's leaving the music shit they weren't it was just me being me and they were like listen we're sick of you said why if you because one of them was the DJ cause, cause yeah. everyone's leaving when you're on they hate the music and he was like if you want to do it why don't you if you think you can do better you do it so the next week, I turned up with four records. And that was literally it. And within a month, I had a residency at, the, uh, at a club in London called The Wag on a Tuesday night. Then I literally, within three months, I was flying to New York backwards and forwards. It just literally went like that. that
0: was uh-huh. it. Oh, t- Honestly, John, I feel so jealous. Like, I almost feel a bit, I know like, when I was growing up, clubbing was fucking class and going to a beef hours class and I remember like living me life and just having the best time and all the rest of it. But I feel like these days there's not as many good clubs for kids.
1: Like, no, even... I, I, I think the problem with it is, it's like anything, everything grows. It starts off really small. It becomes really, it starts off really underground, goes, goes, grows, grows, gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then it ends up in print works. And when it ends up in print works, <laughs> Where is there for it to go? <laughs> yeah. Where is there for them to go? So what happens is with stuff really, you know, it's it's like the force of nature. Things grow, they become really beautiful and big, then they die. And then something new comes. And I really think that we're at that turning point where everything's really big. And I just think that. The minute that it goes more underground again, that's when all the really cool and clever and amazing things happen and clubs happen. I've seen it happen so many times, whether it be the end of of Acid House, the beginning of Acid House, the beginning, you know, disco. all of these different genres that we've gone through at different times. I just think right now we're at that turning point. You know, we really are at that turning point again. And I just think, you know, we come from a blessed time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I me mean, honestly. Well, you know, cultural culturally, we come from a fucking brilliant time of nightclubs. You know, people. I went to clubs that people could only dream of, or they only hear of in like fucking fairy tales, like Paradise Garage or Sound Factory or Area, or you know, the Limelight. I went to all of these places. You know, that that, that become mythical. People's, you know because every other if you stop one cunt in the street and say which favourite club they get oh Bergheim they've never been to Bergheim in their lives they don't know what Bergheim was but you know they have heard that they need to say yeah. that it's like stopping yeah. someone and they've got headphones on you go what are you listening to they'll think about oh what they need to say and, and come out with something cool and when really they're listening to like the soundtrack the frozen soundtrack you've got to my mind they are totally you know they're walking up the road like let it go let's. and then you stop and they go oh yeah I'm listening to Oasis it's like, do you know what I mean? They never tell you. Yeah. Same with nightclubs; they'll tell you, "Yeah, I went there. Yeah, my mates." here. you know. I I really think it's just a matter of going out, finding your people, and finding what makes what you really love. Whether it be fresh metal, whether it be deep house or whatever, just don't be don't be blinkered to anything. Yeah. Like, you. you-
0: You did go out and you did find your people and like, oh my God, honestly, I don't want to like dredge up the past, but mate like the people you knocked about with, it's just legend after legend, after legend, like Freddie, you gave me your first
1: line. But they weren't they were they weren't <laughs> then. Do you get what I'm yeah, saying? Suppose, just
0: your mates.
1: They were. And, you know, it's like people go, oh, you've got the same celebrity mates. My mates are my mates. They just have different jobs to everyone else. Do you get what I mean? And it's like, you know, I've known the, the, my, all my closest friends I've known all my life. You know, whether it be Kate Moss or Boy George or any of those people. I've, I've known those people since I was 13 or they were 13. It's bizarre. And you, they've grown up and grown into those jobs. Mm. You know, like, would it be Edward Emmerthal? I, I knew him when he was just a little stylist. Do you get what I mean? And now he's, like, running the world. You know, these people, <laughs> you know, they're not my friends because of what they do. They're friends because of what we do. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a difference. And no. I just think, you know, you, you touched on who gave me my first line of cocaine, that story of Freddie. Do you get what I mean? Freddie Mercury. Do you know, I didn't know him from Adam. I didn't know. I, I wasn't a Queen <laughs> fan. I was in soft Cell. And Depeche Mode, I wasn't into Queen. That was my mum and dad that were into Queen. Do you go? Know what I mean? Honestly, yeah. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And it's like, and I, I just happened to be outside a club wearing Fiorucci and they loved the idea that I, you know, and that was it. And I ended up back at their house and to a party at their house. And then that, that, that story was a part of just a conversation. And, of course, when I did this Mixmag documentary, like at the beginning, just before the pandemic, Uh, Two and a half years ago, like it's been seen by nearly seven million people, and of course the the tagline was "Freddie Mercury gave me my first line of cocaine." So of course it's kind of like come out as like a bragging story, and it's not. It was it was never meant like that. Do you get what I mean? Oh yeah,
0: of course. No, I I feel like you've got so many good stories, Tony. Like you absolutely don't have to brag. However, if it was me, I would be fucking bragging.
1: Yeah, you know what? It's like, as I say, with the book, I've not done that in the book. You know, I've changed everyone's names because I, you know, there's there's stories in. Yeah, totally. There's stories in there that could, you know, if they, if I didn't change the names, that they would have gone with it and made it into something the book's not about. And I don't want yeah. the book to be about those stories. I want the book to be about my story, and yeah. and that's the difference. So I, when I was writing, I said, "Let's just change that person's name." I don't. That doesn't need to come out about them. It's not about them. It's about me. So we changed so many <laughs> people's names. There's a story in there about a Hollywood actor, and uh-huh. you know, and his daughter, and I just completely changed took took both their names out of it and just changed it to something totally different because. As I say, it it doesn't need to be said about them. Yeah.
0: Oh, no, but I think that's lovely. And I think, don't get us wrong, I'm such a nosy cow, and I would love to hear all the stories in that book. I'll tell you, don't worry. Anything
1: you want to know, I'll tell you.
0: (laughs) I do think it would detract from the actual, the real, like, ethos of the book, what it's really hundred percent.
1: A hundred percent. Because, you know, as I say, the book's not about other people. It's about my story, and those stories are attached to my story because... They're a part of that journey, and you know it would have been a really, really, really boring and pain—like you know, painfully boring—book st- and story to do if it was about other people. I don't need to hear and go, "Oh, so and I so did this, so, so no, 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 no."
0: Uh, honestly, for, um, there's enough stories about Freddie. Anyway, me, you know, anyway. It'll
1: be funny. I did far better things than all of them put together. So it's, let's make it about me and leave that, ain't it at that, isn't it? I say.
0: Right, back to Tony. Fuck everyone yeah. else. So, right, you're an Ibiza legend, mate, and I have just seen on your Insta, well, you've just been there recently, haven't you? Yeah, I came back on
1: Tuesday. Did the opening of The opening of Glitterbox, uh, mm-hmm. and I do a, a thing called the Wild Corner at High, which is the toilets. It's a nightclub in the toilets. It's, it's the most insane part of the club. And highs, what used to be space, right? Yeah, yeah, it used to be space, and so I do. They got this massive toilet with like disco light ceiling. It's amazing. Anyone who's been will tell you how incredible it was. So I did that, and I completely. I don't. I never big myself up, but I took it to another level. It's nice there. And I start. I've got my own residency there this summer. Fifty fucking six. I've got an IB for residency again. I'm. I'm doing. Friday nights with David Guetta and Idris Elba, um, f- uh, starting uh, the, fir- the 2nd of June. And it's oh. literally, I'm there once a month. I was going to do a lot more, but uh, diaries are full. So I'm doing literally a monthly residency throughout the whole summer back at High, which I'm really excited about.
0: Smashed it, mate. Well, I'm Come absolutely buzzing for you. <laughs> and- so how, well, how does it feel now? Because obviously you've been sober 16 years. Yeah. Like what's the big difference? Like, I'm always mortal in a Ibiza. So I feel like if I was going to go and, and be sober and not off my head, all that, I'd really struggle. Like, have you found there's a huge so difference? You, you,
1: you struggle because you set yourself up to struggle. Okay. I probably have more fun than our entire community on the dance floor <laughs> put together i go i I'm, I'm not wanting to what's in someone else's pocket i'm not wondering where everyone else is i'm not constantly on my phone i'm in the moment and that's the difference today i i as a dj there are two types of djs there's djs that listen to music and there's djs that feel music and it's the same with people i feel music i don't listen to it i feel it
0: hmm. i
1: you know it take i allow it to sweep over me in a, in a way that can change my emotions and feelings. It makes my hair stand on end. And that's sort of the connection. I don't need any other substance to do that because music is the best drug there is in the world. And, and, and that goes without... And that's from someone that's taken every drug in the world <laughs> and can tell you, honestly, music is the one that if I didn't have, I would be dead because, you know, it's, it, it's not something that I could ever say, oh, I'm done with that now. Because music, you're never going to be done with music. Music's a time machine. It takes you to places and you can be with people that's that are no longer there. You can be in, 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 in certain tunes will just take you straight back to that moment. And that's the beauty of it. Nothing. You can take as many ecstasy or as much cocaine as you want. It's never, ever going to take you to where music can. And that's the difference now. So for me, I go, I do my job. And I love my fucking job. It's not a ways and means for me to get drugs or money anymore. It's now something that I love. Which it wasn't
0: It's something purer, isn't it, it? It really
1: is. Honestly, it's it's it. you know, when we when we're really young and we go out to our first rave or we go to our first club or to our first party, we're not going because the barman sells really good drinks or just, Gary from down the road's got some ease that he's selling. We're going because we want to connect with music. We go for the excitement, yeah. and when the first time we ever go to Ibiza or we go anywhere in the world. We're so connected to it. We go, I want to live here. That's it. We come back. Yeah. I'm moving. I'm moving to Magaluf. Do you know, that's what we do, right? Because we had that connection. We had that connection. But the more you go, and the more suddenly that you lose that connection by bringing in other ingredients. It's like a perfect cake mix. You start, you take out the flour and you start, you put in nuts instead. It ain't going to go the way it's meant to go. And that's what we do. You know, we put in alcohol, we put in drugs. And suddenly we forget about the real reason why we went in the first place, which was music. Do you know what, what I mean? Gets,
0: yeah, and it gets harder and harder yeah. to recreate those those feelings of euphoria of of oh, yeah. like excitement and everything that you experienced when you were just there, like young, enjoying it, being yeah. yourself. Because those synthetic highs
1: are not the same, are they? No, they're not. And and I just think, you know, for me, people always go, Oh, what's what's your best night out or your best gig? And I always say it's never happened. It hasn't happened yet. It's you know, because every time is different and every I don't think, oh things that you might be go oh, I don't go out anymore because it's not the same thank fuck it's not the same can you imagine how boring <laughs> it is do you know what I mean the same six tracks fuck off do you know what I mean there's a reason it ain't still the same you know it's just it, it literally people hold on to moments and I just think just be in in the moment each time you go out will make new moments for you to hold on to do you go know what I'm saying
0: yeah no I completely understand and what is like painstakingly obvious when I'm chatting to you Tony is like you Have grown. You've evolved. You've changed. And I don't know if it's been something that's happened since you've been sober or what. If you were always just going to be this really impressive fella, but it feels like whatever stage of life that it throws at you, like you're ready for it, you know. Um, I feel like I I I don't know if this is true, but I read somewhere that addicts, people in recovery, whatever, they kind of they struggle. They always replace one addiction with another.
1: Yeah.
0: You think that's true? Did that happen for you?
1: 100%. Yeah, it totally happened with me. <clears throat> I, I, from the age of, from the age of, of ten, when I was sexually introduced to sex at such a young age, that changed my life. That mm. suddenly became a superpower. Sex became a bargaining tool. It became a, a way of survival. It became a way of getting forward. It, you know, I used sex to, to, for everything to change the mm. way I felt. Like I would use cocaine or I would use anything. So. When that was always my primary illness, and I've learned this over the years, that sex is really what drew, drove me. So when you introduce a drug like cocaine or a drug like ecstasy or any other drug or a, a drug, and I will say a drug like alcohol, into into your equation, that prolongs it, that takes away your inhibitions, that takes away everything. Mm. But what happens is you suddenly use all of these newfound fixes to yeah cover up the other fix so it's like lighting 16 little bonfires with one massive one in the middle to create smoke screens so when you get rid of all of those other little bonfires and suddenly you're left with this raging fire which is you in the middle you know it's it's really hard to just keep that contained and you know for me i put down drinking drugs i didn't think that i ever had i know i had a drug problem i never thought i had an alcohol problem because it never ran out And it was only at six o'clock in the morning when I was waiting outside the local shop for it to open to buy Mm. whatever vodka they sold or whatever they sold that I realized, oh my God, you've got a real drink problem. But you know, that was, you know, but for me, it was always about drugs. So sex was never a problem. I'm a gay man. I can have as much sex as I want. No, 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 no. That kind of thinking is silly. So when I put down the drink and the drugs, the sex went through the roof. I, uh, you, just,
0: you took away those other issues and you you sort of were able to say. what was have probably on the line. Yeah, yeah. I, I
1: hold my hands up, you know, to it. I, I, I would have sex six times a day with different random people that I've met on apps. And it, what it did was it left me soulless. It left me... Empty. Totally. Yeah. I'd given away everything. I'd given it all away. And that's like, that, like any other addiction. It wants you in a room on your own wanting to kill yourself. And sex... It's like heroin. It's like cocaine. It has the same effect. When you use something, whether it be sushi or cocaine or anything, to to you use it to change the way you feel, it's always going to end up the same way. And and sex really didn't have that problem. I really had that problem with sex. It's the only one. That I still struggle with in the sense of I will wake up some days and think, oh, today's a really good day to cheat. And it's not a good day to cheat. There's never a good day to cheat. Do you go am saying to you? But I battle that now. Today I, I, I deal with it. I have I have tools to deal with that stuff. I never wake up thinking, ah, oh, today is a really good day to get a gram of coke.
0: Mm-hmm. No,
1: I know what cocaine does to my life. I know mm-hmm. everything I have in my life is because I don't do those stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Everything I have is not for what I do is because of what I don't do. And I'm not going to change that for anyone or anything. You know, I, 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 I'm not going backwards. I never go backwards. I always go forwards through everything. And, and you know, it's addiction will always be there. It always, if I have sushi, I mentioned yeah. a minute ago on a Monday and it's really good. I want it Tuesday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because that's where I buy yeah. a pair of shoes and you'll relate to this one and I love them and everyone compliments them I, the next day I will go and get them in three other different colour ranges they'll stay under the bed I'll never wear them but I've got them that's all that matters yeah. do you know what I mean? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down
0: No, I totally do. Like, I've spoken loads before. So my dad's an alcoholic, Tony. Um, He struggled with it his whole life, you know. And, like, um, I've just made a documentary with Channel 4 because for for years I was absolutely convinced I've got addictive personality traits myself that, like, there was something hereditary that I was just... It's hereditary. We're born with That I was just going to end up like me dad and that and, like... It it doesn't even have to be a particularly destructive addictive quality on, wow. on the outs, like looking in, you know? It could be like going to the gym, or it no. could be like eating health. But whatever right. I'm doing, mate, yeah. yeah.
1: Set, All, everything, you know?
0: Everything. I'm like 110%. If I'm going out, I want to be the last one standing. But if I'm in the gym, fuck no, I'm smashing it. It's, it's so... And I realised, like it took us to mid-30s that... Actually, it doesn't matter if it's a healthy addiction or an unhealthy one. They're both toxic. So I strive Uh for balance now. They both take you to exactly the
1: same place.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I do, I, I, I strive a bit for balance. And I was just wondering if that's where you're kind of at now as well. You
1: know what, You just hit the nail on the head, it's all about balance. Everything is about balance. You know, you do too much of one thing, it will go that way. You do too much of the, the gym, it will go that way. It's about finding what, what keeps you on the straight and narrow. There's a reason these stupid cliches come up. You know what? It's about balance. <laughs> it really is. You know, if you want to drink Coca-Cola, drink Coca-Cola, but make sure you drink water as well with it. You don't need to drink six six cans a day or whatever. You know, it's all about balance. You can have what you want. I've, I've found over the last 15 and a half years the more things that I say I can't do, right, I can. You know, I, I, I really, truly believe that I can't, it doesn't exist in recovery because you can do whatever you want to do it as long as you do it in a productive, right, balanced way. It's like eating food. Yeah, have junk food whenever you want, but don't just eat junk food. Do you get what I mean? You can go to McDonald's. Yeah, you want to go to McDonald's? Everyone loves Mackey but make sure you counteract it for the rest of the week with other stuff. It's about changing and keeping it like this. You do too much of anything. And you know, it's in all of us. We're all everyone gets, oh, I don't have a problem with addiction. I'm like, how many times a week do you go to the gym? Oh, every day, oh, I'll right, okay. Do you know, I mean? like, you, Fucking liar. <laughs> you know what
0: I mean?
1: You're not, you're not like you because they're not on a park bench drinking cider, they think they don't have a problem. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I know so many workaholics that end up having mm-hmm. mental breakdowns and end up in, 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 in hospital because they've exhausted themselves, you know, and then they, they what happens is they work so much and work so much, then suddenly at the weekend they'll binge drink to counteract the work, mm-hmm. and before they know it, they're in another whole different scenario because they've met someone at work because they, they're they not getting what they, their needs met at home because they're never at home. So, it's mm-hmm. it, you know, it just goes around in a big old cycle. Just balance everything.
0: I think like, it, it's the only way, isn't it? Like As human beings, we're always going to be in search of that dopamine hit, that serotonin hit, that things that, that trick our brain into thinking we're happy and stuff. But it's about finding things that, that do that, that are healthy and good for us and doing them in moderation. That's the best thing. 100%. Advice. Get a dog. I <laughs> oh, mean, I have. Adopted my law last year, and honestly, it's the best thing that's
1: ever happened to us. Totally right. changes your life for everything, doesn't it?
0: I'm so sorry about your loss,
1: Tony. I really oh, you know haven't. what? It's kind of, it's one of those things, you know, fucking the, the iPhones can fuck off and all because every two minutes it's sending me pictures of dogs. Do you know what I mean? Like I'll switch on Instagram and there's 10 fucking staffishable terrier puppies. Like, constantly. Yeah. where did they come from? I never knew there was that many puppies. You know, it's everywhere. And people, look, people have been beautiful. People have been so, so beautiful, sending me pictures and sending me... Pictures of rescue dogs and stuff. And I really, you know, I'm really blessed that people take the time to stop me and say, oh, they love what I do. But then they'll tell me how sorry they are for my dog. And it's really at the wrong moments. <laughs> oh, please, please don't talk about my dog. But you know what it is? I, I'm, I'm dealing with it and I know that I will. My boyfriend Stabby's got a dog called Raf, and he's always at my house. So he having Raf here has really helped. Yeah really really helped today i got someone sent me a beautiful painting of my dog like uh, alan Kardec's husband paul drayton he sent me a picture he had done yeah. just beautiful people doing beautiful fucking things and you know her yeah, actually home last week she's on the side in the in the living room and you know i know she's with me and i just you know people don't who don't have dogs and have never gone through it really just think that we are stupid or like oh my god it's only a dog Fuck off. No. It's, it's not only a dog. It's, it was Taylor was never a dog. She was family. Yeah. Not a family pet. Oh, you've lost a family. She wasn't a pet. She was my family. You know? I know. She likes yeah. it. I get it. It's getting better and it's getting easier the more I talk and joke about it and stuff like that. But I will get another dog, but not your autumn. I know when I meet her, and it will be a girl, when I meet her, I know who she is. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? I know. She'll, so be, well.
0: she'll be sent by Taylor, man.
1: Honestly, No, 100 100. I totally believe it. It's really weird, and you know this woman called uh, Rachel Townsend. This woman, she's married to Pete Townsend from the Who. She messaged me, and she clang. said, "Yeah, no, clang, right?" She, but like, there's a reason for it. She messaged me, and she was like, "Uh, because she's she's." She's she's a remarkable woman. She wrote a requiem for lost pets that died. Beautiful, beautiful requiem. And I went to it a couple of years ago. Anyway, she messaged me when Taylor passed, and she said, "I, I don't want you to be freaked out or anything, but I want to tell you I'm, i I have psychic. But I was like, you know, I'm psychic. And Taylor came to me last night, and she mentioned three of Taylor's toys by name.
0: No. Oh, I've got goosebumps! Like stuff
1: like that. No way! No, she Fuck. just she wants you to know that she's running. Her legs are working. <sighs> she and she said, uh, She wants me to tell you that she loves Stavi, your new man. And she, uh, she's, not, she's not over keen on his dog because all poodles are stupid. And his <sighs> dog's like a rescue from Cyprus, rescue from Cyprus. You've got a bit <laughs> of poodle in him. And she's mentioned her three texts, three of her teddies by name. No one in this world would know yeah. that I named those stupid toys like yeah. a badger, a rat, and that like name. <laughs> and she mentioned them all by name, and I was just like, because at first I was like, "Oh, thanks," and then when she got to that bit, I was like, "What? How would she know that?" Oh, and I went to my Instagram. And there's no mention of anything. Like, yeah.
0: Oh well, listen. It's brought you comfort. It's brought you solace. Yeah. I think. What, like it's, whatever? It's works. like
1: anything, right? When we believe in anything, we start to believe, we get faith. And when we get faith, right, we're on our journey. That's it. It gives us the strength to move forward. And you know what? If that's what I need to believe in right now, that she said, so be it. That's exactly it.
0: And listen, like... In terms of your journey, Tony, like, you look fucking healthy, you look well, you look handsome, you look strong. Oh, thank you're you. have are to be, and I'm putting it out there, I'm manifesting it for you, a Sunday Times bestseller. You're fucking smashing it, right? And it feels like you're in a great place in your life, and that's probably why it was possible for you to write the book, Um, but it's got to be, I've got to give him a mention before going for that. It's got to be down a little bit of stavvy as well, hasn't
1: it? 100%. You know what? I, uh... I, you know, I, whilst I was writing the book, I split up with my ex-partner after eight years, and it was really, 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 really harrowing and really a dark time for for, for a few, like, a good four or five months. It was awful. Mm. We were going through all that breakup stuff that you do, silly things to mm. each other, all of that stuff. And Stabby came along like this shining light, and uh, it's the first time in my life I've ever, ever been in a tra- completely transparent relationship, everything that w- we, we... There's no secrets. Yeah. And I've never been in any form of relationship in my healthy. life. Healthy.
0: It's fucking Ever. healthy, Tony.
1: <laughs> that is it. And you know what? My mum said, said to me last week she came up to stay, and I hadn't seen her for, like, two years properly. She came to, up to London and she was like, look at you. Look at you. It's like there's, there's something shining out of your eyes and i was just like I'm just really happy mum I'm, I'm in love mum you know, <laughs> I, I, I um I don't think I've ever felt as content and happy as I do right now and that's not smugness it's actually no. I just there's points where I just think oh my god life's really good do you know what I mean and yeah. better other man's in my life and it's uh and his dog. Do you know what I mean? Just doing- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't forget right. rat. <laughs> yeah, Rath's amazing. Do you know
0: what I mean? yeah. Well, Tony, before I let you go, here at Vicky Patterson's Secret 2. we always ask our gorgeous guests to give our lovely listeners a little pearl of wisdom, a nugget, if you will. And um, I just don't think we can let your beautiful blossoming relationship with Stavvy go. So I want to know what your secret is to a healthy relationship.
1: Just be honest and transparent and just don't cheat. <laughs> I, I've never... I've, I've got to, I'm honest, you know. In I've cheated on every relationship I've ever been in, in every relationship ever, because I never believed in myself. I felt less than the other person. I never felt good enough. So what I would do is I would in, destroy it internally. I would, yeah. I would act out with people that I would never even fancy in a million years. But I would act out because I wanted to destroy my own the way I was feeling and the, and now today I can hold my head up high and I and I, I I'm in such a place where I I love myself therefore I can love yeah. stabby and I just think that that's it. The yeah. you get to that point where you actually think I'm all right, you know, I'm a good fucking yeah. person. And you start to <laughs> believe yourself. Don't get me wrong, I wake up some days feeling old or fat or all that stuff. But it only lasts a few minutes. I don't allow it to resonate anymore.
0: Consume, yeah. No, yeah.
1: I can love today, which means therefore I can be loved. Do you know what I mean? And and, and no, really, because if you told me that a year ago you loved me, I would have told you to fuck off. I'd be like, I would <laughs> love you today all the time. You tell, me you, you tell me you love me, I will, will run a mile. You, you tell me you, you call me a cunt and tell me you, you, you hate me, I'll take you on fucking holiday. Do you get what I mean? That's the way it was. And now I really can accept love because I love myself. You know, I, can, I mean, I've got in my life where I'm, I know that I'm good enough. So my top tip is just be honest. Yeah. Be honest in everything you do.
0: But also, love yourself as well, like, listening to, to you. You know, I, everyone, everyone always says to me, like, oh, you're so pleased Erkan came along. And absolutely, I'm over the moon. He's a fucking lovely bit of kit. He makes us yeah. so happy. But I, I was never ready before to accept the things that Erkan brought into my life. Yeah. I, myself, had things I had to work on.
1: We go through life thinking that we're, ne- we're never good enough. We're too old, too yeah. bad old. Just, you know, oh, it, you know, I don't deserve him. I just, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, you put out in this universe what you get back, right? And that's a fact, you know, you if you're a cunt, you end up with a cunt. End of story to your own danger. And but to allow someone to be a cunt to you, you must be a cunt in the first place to actually sit with it. And I know it, everyone's different and it's all to do with circumstances you know i've been in all of those circumstances and i've done all those circumstances in my lifetime and you know i truly believe now that i've got to this point where i've worked on myself and in recovery for so long that i i i feel that i i've got to a whole new without sounding like a cunt, I, I really feel that the sun's shining in my heart right now it really That's is
0: no that is so, lush
1: Don't get me wrong, I'm still waking up at 3 a.m. thinking, oh, no one's going to buy my book or they're going to wait till the reviews come out and all of that stuff. Do you know what? No one can judge me like I judge myself, and I've done all the judging I ever want to do in my life. I'm just really happy. I've got a book coming out. What more do you want? It's like, fuck, man, it's insane. I was homeless 15 and a half years ago with no teeth. (laughs) Living on my feet. Do you know what I mean? Like, my boyfriend... The only person that saved my life, and all I ever thought about was dying. And today, all I think about is how much I enjoy life, and that's because little by little I put the work in, and you know, and it hasn't been an easy ride. And never, life isn't easy, right? It's not easy.
0: But <laughs> I love this journey for you, Tony. You deserve every bit of success oh, coming your God, way, mate. You. No, you're so welcome. Like you've made me grin from yeah, yeah. You deserve all this happiness, and I can't wait to come to your residency, in Ibiza.
1: Oh, you better come as well. I'm telling you, I'll bring that in the it. moves. You know, you know that. You'll be hanging out in the toilets for all the right reasons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love you, mate. Sure. Tony's book, I Don't It Request, is out now, guys, and it's a, a must-read. Get your hands on one.
1: You better read it now. A fucking a fucking i
0: fucking better, mate. Right, thank you so much. You're a dream.
1: Thank you, Vicky. God bless you.
0: Well, guys, that was the hilarious and refreshingly honest DJ for Tony feel terrible calling him that but he doesn't seem to mind um i'm dying to get me teeth into his new book um it sounds it sounds pretty incredible it doesn't sound like it's going to be an easy read but i think it's definitely going to be illuminating and heartfelt um and i think an important read so, yeah, well done to him. I will it's a fucking resounding success. He deserves it. Um, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Vicky Patterson The Secret 2, um, you can follow that DJ Fatoni. He's just exactly that on Instagram. But also, don't forget to, take his, uh, to get his book. I don't take requests. That is out now. Everywhere you should get your books. It's like Waterstones. Apparently, he has a very nice little uh, book signing tour with those guys. So, if you want to meet the man himself in the flesh, Get yourself a way of that um and yeah oh um if you're loving my series then do all the podcasty things leave a review tell your mate subscribe that's the important one now um, and have a really great week guys